You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Happily ever committed. Happily ever committed. That is the message. Now, not committed like straight jacket, committed. If that's where your mind went, um, we'll have some prayer, you know, for your marriage afterward too, so that's, that's fine. Um, happily ever Committed, I'm going to talk about that word commitment or committed. You know, genuinely, one of kind of the phrases that I live by and try to approach life with is this little simple concept, and that is that my life moves forward at the speed of commitment, right? If there's an area of your life that feels like it's stalling out, chances are high, there's a commitment issue there, right? There's an area of your life that hasn't, you haven't committed yourself to it. Maybe in your finances, right? I know for a long time, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels in that and finally made a commitment to grow in that area, a commitment to advance in that area, a commitment to take new ground in that area, right? In our relationships, we'll talk a lot about that. Commitment moves us forward relationally. Commitment moves us forward in our health. I was just at the Breasty campus and got to honor Graham Desert, who just completed 365 Murph workouts in a row. Dang. And if you weren't cheering, it's because you don't know what a Murph is. A Murph is a workout that obviously I don't do. Let's be real. But Mike does sometimes. And uh, occasionally, he said that to me. I wasn't observing that. Uh, he just said that. So I wanted Mike to tell us what a Murph is real quick. It's pretty epic. So with a 20-pound weighted vest on, you run a mile. Then you do 100 push-ups. I'm sorry, 100 pull-ups. Then 200 push-ups. Then 300 air squats. And then you run a mile again. Wow. Yeah. And you just did that yesterday with Graham to finish out his 365. Come on, hey, watch him. You know what was a little insulting, Pastor Matt? That Graham texted me and said, hey, here's the address of where I'm doing the final Murph if you want to come watch. <laughs> now, I appreciate that because I wasn't going to be able to complete the Murph with him, but I would at least would have liked the courtesy for him to pretend that I could have come there and done that. That would have been, that would have been ideal. If, yeah, be, yeah I, I literally knew. I wanted to, but I was like, it would not be healthy. I would literally be like, yeah, be armchair up here, just like sitting back, yeah, maybe in a cast. I don't, I don't know what have, could have happened. But uh, anyways, so commitment is what moves us forward. Everything in our life is going to move forward at the speed of commitment. And you know what? The problem with that is none of us really like kind of commitment, <laughs> right? Or we don't like contracts. We don't like long-term things like that in our, in our kind of everyday life. How many of you I'm talking about when it comes to like your phone, right? Your phone bill, your phone plan, maybe the way you watch your TV, your internet, you know, all that kind of a deal. We don't want long-term contracts. Remember when they used to do that? You sign up for a phone plan, and it'd be like, okay, you get the special rate if you commit to two years of your life. How many know you're like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in two years. 
You want me to commit two years? Lord have mercy. Then we all started getting crazy about all these long-term contracts. Now everybody's doing subscription-based, right? Everyone's subscribing to everything, but no contract. So we're all paying way too much money every month with all these subscriptions, but at least there ain't no contract. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) At least I'm not locked into it. And uh, we, we have this sort of like phobia towards commitment and towards locking into something, and that is completely fine with your utilities and your entertainment and all that kind of stuff, but it is dangerous and deadly to our relationships. This commitment phobia towards our our friendships, towards dating relationships, towards marriage is actually really, really destructive. But we live in a world right now that is very adverse to committing, even nervous about committing to marriage. Nervous about committing to that. So what ends up happening when it comes to marriage relationships is we avoid that commitment, but we still want the benefits of the commitment without the commitment. And this is what I call playing house. Playing house is when you try to take the the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage going along with it. I'm about to say some stuff that you're going to love, so just heads up. I'm going to take a quick drink of water. Let me, just, let me just give you some examples, and here's why I'm saying this. I just want to tell you up front. I'm going to say some stuff that's going to be very controversial towards our current culture, but it's because we love you. We want to see your life thrive. We want to see your marriage healthy. We want to see your long-term, right? So here's what playing house looks like. It means having sex before you're married. Now, I think there may be some families who brought their young kids in here. I apologize. I might say some things, okay? So this could be an education if you haven't already. <laughs> um, here, here's another thing that playing house looks like. It means living together before you're married, right? Uh, another thing that playing house can look like is actually prolonging the dating phase before marriage, right? Like you're kind of forcing somebody to stay committed to you, but you refuse to commit to them, right? If you've been married, if you've been dating for five years, I'm being generous with the five. I really think if you've been dating for three years, but if you've been dating for five years and there's no advancement of commitment, then something is not right. Alter call, yeah, right? If you've been dating for 10 years and you ain't married yet, Lord Jesus, help us, God, right? Either do what Sister Beyonce says and put a ring on it or move on, right? Move on. (laughs) Put a ring on it. Get some commitment going. Your relationship ain't going to get better. You ain't discovering anything else if you've been dating that long to know whether or not I should be with you. If I don't know after three years, then I ain't never going to know. Just commit and get married. Commit to marriage or move on, right? Don't play house. Don't don't play house. Uh, You know, the... One of the reasons why I bring up, obviously, having sex before marriage, the Bible is specific to save sex for marriage. Let me just speak to that for a moment. This is super important that we don't take on the lie that we can sort of have casual sex. There is no such thing as casual sex. There may be culturally, but there's not in reality. 
Because the Bible says that the two will become one flesh, right? So when you are having multiple sexual partners, you're actually ripping yourself apart constantly, right? You're actually, it's, it's actually dangerous for your body physically. Literally, there's a physical change that happens. But it's also dangerous uh, for, your, for yourself spiritually, emotionally, right? The ties that we have in that. So that's why God specifically calls us to save it for marriage. Think about, uh, I was just last night wrapping up the day and saw the, our candle was on the countertop or, or on the uh, coffee table. And I was just thinking about how the fact that you light the candle to allow the fragrance to fill the room, right? So that candle is that passion, the candle is that, uh, that, that sex. But what happens is if you light that without it being in the container of the candle, that, that flame and that fragrance turns into a house fire really fast, right? It becomes dangerous. Another way to think about that is that sex is like a fire. If, you, if it's in the fireplace, it warms the house. If it's outside of the fireplace, it burns the house down, right? God designed it to warm the house. God designed it to bring passion and intimacy and a closeness and relationship that is designed for the safety of commitment, right? It's too powerful of a thing to operate outside of the covenant and the commitment of marriage. So God designed it to be within that, within the safety of that, right? This is because I love you again. Got quiet, but that's fine. Got quiet. Um, same thing with living together before you're married. I think a lot of times with the first and the second, there can be this thought of like, well, hey, you got to test drive it before you buy it. Well, first of all, she ain't a vehicle that you're buying. <laughs> she ain't merchandise you are buying. She is a woman you are committing to, a covenant with, a, a partnership with, right? And here's the thing. You do need to test drive some stuff. You need to test drive the relationship with Jesus. You need to see where, how they treat their parents. You need to see how they operate with work, right? You need to see who's in their inner circle of friendships. Those are the things you want to test drive. But let me guarantee you something about the other test driving part of that, is that if you are a man marrying a woman, you are compatible, okay? So sex works, okay? You will be all right. You don't have to figure out if that works later on. You will figure it out. Let me just tell you. <laughs> a lot of awkward laughs. A lot of awkward laughs. <laughs> but here, here's the deal. Guarantee in a room like this, right, as many people as we're hanging out here, many of you are already like, sweet, start off this message with three strikes. This is awesome. Thanks for the encouragement, Pastor. Really needed that today. Feeling great about myself. <laughs> First of all, here's the thing. Whenever you learn truth and whenever you encounter God's way over the world's way, no matter what you've done in the past, you have a fresh opportunity to engage it today, right? To make a fresh decision to move forward in alignment with God's word. Our, our body, just like in chiropractic, I hope I'm getting commissioned because I'm really referencing chiropractic a lot today. 
Just like in chiropractic, my body operates best when it's in alignment, right? When it's aligned correctly. My life works best when it's in alignment with God's word, right? God doesn't make rules to just be mean. He gives us commandments and guidelines and a way to live life because he wants to see your life thrive, be healthy, be successful, enjoy all the beauty of marriage, all the commitment that, you know, that marriage brings, the the life that it brings, the health that it brings, the the wholeness that it brings into your world. So I want to encourage you guys to not follow the world's way when it comes to relationship, but follow God's way. You know, there's even the, the research when it comes to living together that it actually increases your rate of divorce when you live bef- together before you're married. It seems in- counterintuitive, but it's because you're getting things out of order. But that's where the data is. It's actually dangerous for you, right? These things are not going to help you. They're not going to advance you. They're not going to strengthen you, Right? If you honor God's way, you're going to get to receive all the blessing and all the strength that comes. And here's the good news. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes along the way. Hey, you're in good company, right? But just say, turn to God, turn to his way. And if you're living together right now, either after the service, come down and we'll get you married, right? Because we can do that. (laughs) Literally, this, this whole front row. This whole front row is legally licensed to seal the deal for you right now. And we got a couple, we got a couple, uh, couple witnesses, so let's just do it. Let's get her done. Or, or move on if she ain't the one or he ain't the one. Move on, right? Don't play house. Don't do that. Your life's worth more than that. Your future's worth more than that commit to. We've had a lot of people who they realize they come in contact with these kind, kinds of truths from God's word, but they're right in the middle of everything I just listed, and they have made that decision to say, okay, we're going to live God's way until we get married, yep. right? That might mean moving out. Well, it's going to mean moving out, because uh, I always say if you're living together and not sleeping together, that's another problem, okay? So, like, if you have that ability to stay away from each other when nobody else is in the house, you got other problems, okay? So find somebody else. Find somebody else. Right? And that's the truth. I'd be it'd be weird to me if you're living together and not sleeping together. That's that would be weird. Like you should be so attracted to the other person, you can't keep your hands off of each other, right? And that is why. <laughs> That's why you don't go in dark rooms alone together. You don't Netflix or chill or anything until you're married. Because here, this is, this is a common scenario, like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, we were just, I went over to her house, nobody was there. Okay, that's the first step towards something happening. And then, I mean, we had a great dinner, everything was fine, we walked, popped in a movie, we laid on the couch. Next thing you know, like, okay. <laughs> Of course it's heading that way. God designed you to actually go that way. Your sex drive is God designed to drive you towards the other person. Come on. He designed it that way. That's actually why God, the sex drive in marriage is so powerful. 
if you, if you fight to not fulfill that sex drive outside of your marriage, you know, it keeps you, keeps you driving towards your wife, especially for men, right? It keeps you driving towards her. It's a beautiful thing. God designed it that way, but fire outside of the fireplace burns the house down, okay? All right, so let me, let me switch gears so that let's, let's make the married people feel uncomfortable for a little bit now. I'll give, I'll give the single people a little break. You know what I mean? They're like, good God. This preacher's got problems. Sure hope nice, soft, gentle Dr. Matt gets back up. That's what everyone calls you. You know what I mean? Just gentle. Not really, but that's, we're so thankful that you don't. <laughs> All right, let me, uh, let, me get, let me get into this here. Uh, commitment releases full strength of marriage, and so I want to talk about a few commitments, a few commitments that we want to make in our marriage. They're going to help us uh, have some fun here, right? So first one, number one is commit to less pet peeves. That's the first commitment. My wife did not want me to put this in the message. She hated this point. Did not feel like it was biblical at all. <laughs> Actually, in all, all the services so far, when I get to this point, the women are like, hate you. And all the men are like, finally, somebody's on my side. <laughs> Less pet peeves. Everyone needs to chill out. Relax. Have some fun. Laugh a little bit. Now, here's the deal. My wife was, was at a Brescia campus, and so I had to be a little bit more honest about, uh, about what I said. But... <laughs> But here's the deal. Here's the honest reality. I said, babe, hey, doing this message, going to talk about pet peeves. She's like, well, I don't like that point, first of all. But secondly, I was like, hey, could you give me some pet peeves you have for me? I'm trying to think of pet peeves I have against you. But instantly, without even breathing, she started moving into a list of things. I was like, at least pause for a second. Like, hmm, not sure exactly, and then go for it. But she just went right into it. Just list them off. But here's the good news. She loves me except for how I breathe, walk, talk, eat, and sleep. Other than that, I'm fine. So that was the good news. That was the good news. Dude, man, I do this walking thing. I'm a little better now because she's had almost 18 years of retraining and programming and such. But especially, I just, I walk where I look. So I'm a creative driver. That's what I like to call it. Some people call it illegal. I, I'm, a, I'm a creative walker, right? I, lines, like these lines in the stage annoy me, right? It's just like, I don't, I'm, don't, don't box me into lines. You know what I mean? But I would always like step on her feet, push her accidentally as I'm just like veering as I walk. <laughs> Anyone else have that problem with walking next to your spouse? Dude, when Kenny and I first got married, getting used to sleeping in the same bed together, I would wake up, I'd be, I'd be hitting her accidentally. I'd be rolling over, smacking her. She'd wake up ready to punch me. And uh, thankfully I stopped doing that. That's good. Um, Another thing, though, is this is a big one, right, especially for us guys. My wife loves how I eat. She loves it. Any women out there just love the way your husband eats? She's just big fan. 
I see Travis and Suzanne over here sitting apart from each other. Actually, Travis, I need you to come over by your wife because she needs to be able to elbow you more. The next thing. Get over here. Get over here. Come on, Travis. Don't be fighting. Don't be fighting. Come on. Right. My wife loves how I eat. She's a big fan, big fan. And uh, when my mom comes in town, she's like always apologizing to my wife, like, I'm so sorry, Katie. Like, I did the best I could. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Wow. Now, here's, here's the reality, right? Like, eating better, theoretically, is something I could improve at. Doesn't seem likely after almost 40 years, but theoretically, I could get better at it, right? Um, but to have a pet peeve about something I have no control over, like she goes, you know, the way you breathe in your sleep is just annoying. Like, it's not even like snoring. Because I actually, like, changed some dietary stuff, and I stopped snoring, but I guess I still breathe weird. Like, what does that mean? And also, I can't do anything about it. It's how I breathe. I'm sorry, I'll try not to breathe tomorrow night. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, man. Pet peeves, come on, let's, let's move beyond. But here's, beyond just the little nuanced things that annoy us about each other. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of pet peeves and sins and sins. It covers over a multitude. You know, one of the things we have to learn how to do is to laugh with each other and laugh about our differences versus attacking them. Uh, there's a, a common phrase in marriage of the opposites attract and then they attack. And that's because a lot of times those things that you thought were so funny or interesting or unique about your spouse before you married them, now you're like, oh my God, I hate it when you do that. You know what I mean? But you loved it before, Right? You thought it was amazing before. Katie's like, you're so loud. I'm like, oh, I, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but she loved it before, right? But I guess not as much anymore. So it works out good, though, when I'm on the stage. It can be loud. But then when I'm at home and she's like, stop yelling. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't, sorry. Um, Travis is getting a real witness over here. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, this whole message is for Travis and Suzanne, honestly. Feels really dialed into them. Feels really dialed in. If you guys want to head out, I'll just finish with them. Um, but actually, learn to celebrate each other's differences. Learn to laugh together. You don't want to be the same. So a lot of times we get in these fights because we're trying. Why aren't you more like me in this area? That's not what we want. We actually want the difference, the uniqueness, the variance. It's a beautiful part. Right, And if you're just married or you're about to get married and you're thinking, man, I don't see anything I don't like about my spouse right now. That's so awesome. <laughs> so great. And you probably never will. But if you do at some point <laughs> hypothetically get annoyed by them, then remember this moment. <laughs> remember this moment. Okay. Remember this moment. All right. Second commitment. Commit to plan A. There is no plan B in marriage, right? This is to the whole part of our vows where it's till death do us part, right? There is no plan B. There's no backup plan. There's no escape clause. This is one of the things I asked Katie when I was pre uh, preparing. 
for this message, I said, okay, what's something that marriages got to commit to? And she said, hey, to death to his part. No, no plan B, no backup, no escape clause. And the way she actually said it, I thought was interesting and scary. Um, she said, she said, it's tell death to his part. She said, I'm going to kill you. You're going to kill me or we're going to die of natural causes, but there will be death involved. I was, <laughs> wow, wow. It felt so rehearsed. It felt too rehearsed. Like she'd just been with, like, the will guy. You know what I mean? The will guy. That's an official role out there. The will guy. You got to see a will guy, okay? Okay. That was awesome. Uh, Get rid of the divorce word, right? The option, you know, my my wife and I have a, a mutual friend that, would always joke about saying that uh, they were going to give their marriage a solid 10 years. We're going to give it a 10 years, and then we'll see what happens. Because how long their marriage lasted? 10 years. It was very sad to see them kind of prophesy into that. But, you know, the, the points in communication between a husband and wife, when it gets a little dicey, when we're really agitated with each other, that's when those sucker punches start coming in, Right? That's when you pull out the bag of tricks of past issues, <laughs> right? Things you're frustrated about, the things they always do or never do, which nobody really falls into those categories, but we like to pull those out, right? We're going to pull out the weapons, and, and one of those is kind of that divorce word. And we have to just, just commit to eliminating the prenuptials, right? Eliminating the backup clause, eliminating... The plan B. See, the power and the beauty of marriage is that you're going to have mountaintops and you're going to have valleys in your relationship, and it actually gets sweeter and better and stronger if you continue to build together. But there's going to be a lot of moments, just like I'm sure Graham Desert, when he doing 365 days every day of anything takes a massive commitment. And I know there were days where he didn't want to do it right? Or days would have been easier to not. Days would have been easier to just skip a day and not say anything to anybody, right? Like just to do that. But, but it was the commitment, right, that saw him to continue to fight through it and see it on their side. And when it comes to our marriages, if, if we've got back a plan in our mind, like, hey, if this doesn't work, or if this does, then I might say, don't do that. Don't do that. Eliminate the escape clause. If there's, a, if there's an old girlfriend or boyfriend you're still hanging on to just in case this one doesn't work out, delete that number. Right? Don't, don't go there. Don't go there in options. Because guaranteed, there's always going to be times where you're going to want to throw in the towel in a marriage relationship. But the beauty comes when you don't. The beauty comes when you keep fighting together, when you keep working through it together, when you keep committed to each other. That's when the richness comes out. That's when the strength comes out. And we just say, hey, we're going to throw that out of the conversation, kind of that backup clause, sort of a deal. Right? Like I read earlier, God, you know, the two are going to become one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. Don't, don't use the escape clause, <laughs> the, back, the backup plan. All right, here's the last commitment. Commit to go first. Commit to go first. 
You know, in, in relationships, one of the biggest sort of merry-go-rounds or rat races of dysfunction in any marriage is the back and forth of he's not meeting my needs, therefore I'm going to withhold meeting her needs or, back, or vice versa, right? You're not quite doing this that I need, so I'm going to withhold meeting that need for you. And this can be very common, sometimes subconscious, but we feel like, man, I'm I'm not getting my needs met, therefore I'm going to withhold something, but somebody has to go first. The only way to ever break that cycle, right, to ever turn that thing around is when we make the decision to say, you know what, maybe I'm not getting all my needs met, but I'm going to make the decision to go first. And one of the things in our current you know, culture that we live in that sort of exaggerates this, and, and I love them for the right purpose, is all the personality profiles, right? All the tests, right? Strengths Finder and the Enneagram test and even the five love languages, which I absolutely love and highly, highly recommend every couple uh, take that uh, test together. Um, but these, the, these tests, what if you're not careful, it can end up just producing a long list of needs your spouse is not meeting. Or at least it feels that way, right? And so every time you're coming into conversations or arguments or a date night or whatever it is, all of a sudden you come in, but you have a chair next to you that's got a huge list of all the stuff. Guess what? You're not doing these things that I need to be happy, right? But that is exactly opposite of the way God's word teaches us to interact relationally. Right? If my number one focus is how is somebody else meeting my needs, then I'm always going to feel needs being unmet. But if I switch that around to saying, how can I meet the needs of my wife? How can I meet her needs? Then guess what? You're going to find your needs being met in that process. I love this verse in Philippians chapter 2, 3, and 4. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Remember, in humility, value others above. Someone say above. Above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is such an important way to live life. And specifically, this is such an important way to do marriage, right? When, um, for Katie and I, you know, we've, Again, going on 18 years, you've had a lot of these lessons. And and if you've been married for a while, don't you know that you kind of keep learning the lessons again? (laughs) Don't you feel like you kind of mastered at one level and all of a sudden it comes back at you? You're like, I thought I figured that out, but I guess not, okay? And one of those is that genuinely saying, hey, I'm here first and foremost to, to serve my wife's needs and what she needs and as I do that, then I know mine is going to be met. I'm not worried about me. I'm just focused on her. And that's really easy to say, very different to do, <laughs> right? And so it would be one of those things. My wife's love language is quality time and, and the other four. And uh, <laughs> just it's one big ball of love. You know what I mean? It just, it's all of it together. And uh, guys only have two which is uh, quality touch and physical time. And um, it's a new book. It's a new book I just wrote called The Two Love Love Languages of Men. It's very short. It's one paragraph. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to write that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have 99 blank pages and just the first page, The Secret to Understanding Men. 
and their love language is kind of sort of like one, but just said differently. And uh, <laughs> but so I may be in a mode where like, okay, I'm trying to trying to work some angles here, so I'm going to create some quality time, right? Create some quality time with my wife because I love her, and also. Right? And uh, so create some quality time. We hang out. It's good conversation. 30 minutes, 60 minutes. Oh, man, we're just so good, right? And genuinely, I, I genuinely love hanging out with my wife, right? So we're chatting it up, hanging out, right? Maybe a glass of wine, chilling, couch, whatever, all that kind of a deal. Not Netflixing and chilling, just actually hanging it out, okay? Just chatting. And uh, then that's about to wrap up. It's getting a little bit late, so I'm thinking, all right. Okay, it's go time. I have filled up that love tank, and uh, and then she's like, ah, a little tired tonight. I'm probably going to head to bed. I'm like, and here's where I have an opportunity <laughs> that I do not always do successfully. Here's where I have an opportunity. This is where I get to decide if I was actually doing that to serve her or just to get what I needed back in return. And so oftentimes I choose the wrong path and that it would be something a little bit more like, are you kidding me? We just hang out for like 60 minutes and we can't. And she'd be like, and then the response is, so you're saying you only hung out with me just to get some. And I'm like, no, but also kind of, uh, <laughs> none of you guys have experienced that, but uh, in our marriage we have. <laughs> and, and, and truly it's got, okay, do I actually care about serving the needs of my spouse? Because there's going to be times where you feel like, man, your love tank is full. And it's awesome. You're ready to respond to whatever your spouse brings at you. And there's going to be times when it feels depleted. But the question is, are you going to stay committed to serving your spouse's needs before yourself, even when you don't feel like your needs are being met yourself? And this is the difference, I believe, that Christ has called us to in relationships that are different from the world. Because in a worldly, non-biblical way, it's just like, hey, if your needs aren't getting met, move on. That's not how, that's not how God designed marriage. If your needs are being met, figure out why. That's actually the way to go, right? Figure out why. Why isn't he opening up to you? Why isn't she opening up to you? Figure that out. It's actually part of the beauty of marriage. Even all the difficulties and the challenges that we face, instead of allowing the tensions and frustrations to get you to try to leave the marriage, get them to just cause you to go, okay, what do I got to do here? What do I got to do here to make this marriage healthier? What do I got to do here to fix some things? What do I got to do here to navigate some stuff? How do, I, how do I strengthen our marriage, right? If we can approach the challenges of marriage or the frustrations of marriage or the painful seasons of marriage with a, how, you know, with, with a response of how do I, what do I need to work on? What do I need to change? How do I need to grow? to cause you know, my, my significant other to respond differently to me, um, that's a much better way to do it than just going, well, I'm out of this thing. Because you'll never experience the richness of 18 years of marriage, of 20 years, 25, of 30, 35, 50 years, right? You, 
we don't get to enjoy the rich fruit of that season if we throw in the towel. If we call it quits because our needs aren't getting met anymore, right? Don't do that. Keep loving each other. Keep fighting for each other. Keep committed to grace and mercy towards each other. And you know what? In a room like this, we have a huge range. Some of you guys, as married people, are you're, you've kind of kept a short record of wrongs. You've dealt with this kind of stuff. You're working through things. And you know what? You're not perfect, but you're building, right? That's where I feel like my wife and I are at, right? We're not perfect, we're building. But we're in the fight together. Some of you guys, you might feel like, Man, we're on so many different pages. We hardly share the same bed, and it's almost over. But you may even be in here trying to put on a front. The beauty is that no matter where you find yourself in the spectrum of marriage, right, you, you can find healing today, right? You can find hope today. Your marriage doesn't have to be over. It doesn't have to be on its last leg. If the two, in a minute, we're going to create some space for, uh, for the altars to be open and to pray, whether you're single, engaged, married, but you just know there's maybe something I hit on, something I kind of pricked a little bit. Like Pastor Matt said, this is kind of a prickly message, right? That's why I keep trying to smile. <laughs> Theoretically, it's easier to hear bad news when you're smiling. <laughs> But, ge- but genuinely, I know, I know, because I'm almost 18 years in, I know the battles that can happen in marriage. I know the highs and lows, right? My wife and I have had amazing passion at times in 18 years. We've had desert seasons. We've had roommate seasons, right? We've had all the seasons. And genuinely, because we've continued to fight for it, continue to work together on it, we're in a great season. We're in a healthier season than we were before. And I think for every single one of us, learn to continue to grow together. We're not perfect, right? We've got issues. One of the biggest things to do is make sure that you keep inviting other people into the conversation, right? If you're going to go around in circles... You need to allow God to use the wisdom of other people in your world. Get some coaching, some counseling, help you guys walk through some seasons. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let me, uh, I want to pray with you guys. And then I'm going to turn over to Pastor Matt. But turn, turn to your, uh, if you're married, turn to your spouse. Yeah, I've not gotten to the guy, the ladies in any of the services, so. <laughs> and I won't, I won't in this one either. Men, we're going to go first, right? We're going to lead first. So look at your wife, hold their hands, right? And I, I want you to just, you know, whatever you call them, honey, girl, babe, hey, you, boo thing, hey, girl, hey, whatever it is. <laughs> and just say, I love you. I want you to repeat this, say, I love you. And I'm sorry. Your spouse maybe hasn't heard that in a while, so say it again. Say, I'm sorry. (laughs) For any area where I put my needs before yours, I love you. I'm committed to you. Till death do us part. However that happens. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.